0: It's me. It's Jacqueline. That was a Mrs. Doubtfire uh, reference and I have procrastinated doing the podcast for long enough. I've been sitting here for close to 40 minutes with all of the cards that I need ready to go watching TikToks about Taylor Swift's new album and um, Sarah J Maas books because apparently the uh, Venn diagram of people who let, enjoy Taylor Swift and people who enjoy Sarah J Maas is actually just a circle and that has been my entire TikTok. That being said, this is the social studies portion of this podcast in which I tell you about current events. And here's the thing. I actively have to seek out on my For You page or anywhere on the internet news on Iran, on uh, Ukraine, on Roe v. Wade, uh, on Hurricane Ian. Like literally anything that's happening in the world. I have to actively seek out information on it because all of these things are still happening. All of these things are still happening. It's still a big, giant fucking mess um, that we need to be paying attention to. And we have to actively seek out that information. Um, At least in Tennessee, we have primaries, voting primaries coming up in November. Are you registered to vote? If you're registered to vote and you're going to vote, have you also looked into anything in your community that's actively working to correct voter suppression? If not, you should be. Um, because voting is a privilege that not everybody gets has time for or is it or even like is made it's that it's made easy for them. So you know, we have to be paying attention to that, too. And actively seeking out that information can be difficult because it does feel a lot like, oh, I'm gonna put like putting yourself in a bad mood, but like we should know what's happening in the world. We should at least know. And you know, all of that being said, like Roe v Wade, like is still overturned, threatening not just bodily autonomy but also things like the right to privacy and same-sex marriage so we have a responsibility to seek out that information and see how we can help even if it's you know advocating even if it's being knowledgeable enough to have conversations about it if it does come up and even you know even if it's like being able to put your money in in the right places um or your energy or your time or you know even volunteering so that's all happening i want to before we dive into the card i want to say that last week um when i was talking to bailey i was talking about we were talking about the four of swords and i explained kind of the imagery and i had flip-flopped the sword so i said that the person is sleeping on a bed of three swords with the ace of swords that fourth sword above them when in reality and i should have just had the card in front of me but people who teach tarot make mistakes too you know so i made a mistake i should have had the card and card out in front of me i flip-flopped the swords they're actually asleep on the one sword with the three swords hanging over them. So does that change the meaning of the card? Yes and no. Yes, in the way that um, the card is still read the same way. It's still the same thing. But how that imagery and how the imagery, of course, how Pamela Coleman Smith intended it, does actually fit better with the meaning of the card there in that your sleeping, like sleep, meditation, rest, that is going to help promote clarity, wisdom, giving your body and your brain that time to be quiet, meditate, sleep, whatever is going to give you time to heal, which is going to promote epiphany, clarity, truth, wisdom, all of that. It's not going to get rid of the things hanging over your head. It's not going to get rid of the problems. You're still going to wake up and immediately have to deal with those things or deal with them over a period of time. But that rest is going to give you clarity and stamina to deal with it. So that was that's my bad. I should have had the card in front of me when we were talking about it and I didn't and I should have. So this is all appropriate because today we're talking about the Five of Swords. <laughs> so, you know, that nod to the Four of Swords is important chronologically. To start off talking about the Five of Swords, let's talk about what the card looks like. So as always, I'm using the Smith Rider Waite deck. And um, this deck, you've got a person in the front of the card and they're kind of looking over their shoulder and they have two swords leaning against their shoulder, one, another sword in their hand. By their feet are two swords that are laying in what looks like the ground, um, maybe kind of like a road of sorts. And then you have two people in the background who look a little bit dejected. They're walking towards a body of water, which is pretty like smooth. It's not really rickety or anything like that. You can see waves in the water, though. And that is because um, there is obviously like turbulent wind above them. Like it is a very windy day. You can see that in the way that the clothes are drawn, the hair is drawn on these people. And it's almost reminiscent of the Knight of Swords in that way, with just that big thick, like cloud of like showing us that there's like a lot of wind and a storm is breezing through. This is a card that it, it'll be it's a trigger card for people, right? It can talk about like surface level. It brings up the concept of conflict, rejection, losing something, not feeling worthy, um feeling like out of sorts, feeling like you know, that worthless feeling of like loss and rejection, conflict, fighting with somebody literally, I think maybe because there's swords here. And all of those things are little facets, of course, of the Five of Swords. But, you know, like if I, if every time I pulled this card, like I don't get into a fight immediately or I don't even have necessarily conflict every time I pull this card. So this is not a card that is a, like, you know, a foreshadowing or, um, Or even like announcing that conflict fights or any kind of conflict is on its way. This card, as always in the the number five in the tarot, this card is a contraction. And it can be, it's very easy for us to shy away from things like anger, sadness, depression, betrayal, fear, rejection you know we have a hard time with those things um so we tend not to deal with it but what happens then is that we also don't look at kind of the flip sides of those emotions one of the things i want to point out immediately is that this card is not about the person in the front of this card this card like the person holding these swords with the swords at their feet this card is actually about the people walking away dejected towards that body of water this card is an acknowledgement of the reader feeling not quite right, this fear of losing something, what does it mean to when you tackle something, this card is a nod that when you confront something, you when you confront a fear, when you confront a bully, when you confront a person, there is this, um, This fear that comes along with having to confront something, deal with something, or fight something. Sometimes the struggle is internal. Sometimes the bully, the person with all of these swords, sometimes that's you. And you have a lot of swords to wound yourself with. Nobody's going to be meaner to you than you. Tarot is always internal first. The interesting thing about this is that the people in the back only each had one sword, while the person up front had three. They had a backup. They had their reasons they were stacked up. And I think sometimes, in our own heads, and I think this is how it comes up specifically, is that we are always going to be the first person to be negative, contrary, or rude to ourselves. like, um, you know, I, I want to cut my hair short. Well, you can't cut your hair short because you would look terrible, or that's just not how like that wouldn't look good on you. You can't wear a crop top that wouldn't look good on you or um. You can't take that job because you're not good enough at XYZ or you didn't go to school for XYZ so you can't have that job. You've already undermined and cut down yourself before you've even truly tackled the problem. The Five of Swords is about this David and Goliath almost meeting except the Goliath is you or it's a thing. It's a it's a it's a job that you're interviewing for or it's a bully at work or it's a teacher that's mean or it's your partner who doesn't appreciate you or support you enough. And I think that this person has these swords because I think either they came prepared or these people, they fought twice and lost twice. So they didn't learn They didn't do things differently the second time. Um, In the suit of swords, we really do confront things like fear, depression, anxiety. And so I think that that specifically is what makes people see these cards as scary. But the five of swords is truly an opportunity. It is a contraction. It's not going to be easy. Being in a five of swords is never going to be like hunky-dory, huzzah, yay. But it's definitely going to be a... um, it definitely has the opportunity to be a lesson it has the opportunity to incite change and it has the opportunity to help us reflect on typically something internal that we're that we're fighting something that we think is so much bigger than us and, and truly it's it's not we have made that bigger in our heads than it actually is the 5 of swords is us against us it's about us learning how to fight ourselves. It's learning how to fight our battles. It's an opportunity to be smarter, to get smarter, to get wiser, to plan better. It's a its a nod that sometimes you fight and sometimes you lose. It's an encouragement of how do you deal with regret? What are your regrets? How have your regrets shaped you? And at what point do you truly just walk away from that? At what point do you look at something and you and you just say like, listen, I've given I've given you all my swords? At what point do you stop gambling that on that and do you finally walk away from it? And there's and there's different ways of dealing with emotions like regret or with loss or with conflict, right? You can confront, you can completely walk away. It's about this choice almost. Do you stay and fight or do you or do you move on? The wind in this card, I think, is exceptionally important because it is shaky, it's turbulent, it's blowing. It's not easy for anybody to fight in those conditions. but the person who brought more swords is probably going to have an like if the, even if they lose one sword, one sword, they have a backup. They have a backup weapon. they have a backup thing to go to. So sometimes this card is an encouragement to plan ahead. If you know things are going to be turbulent, plan plan ahead. If um people with um trauma sometimes have something like called a rejection complex where they try really hard to tackle things they're uncomfortable with, they try really hard to do things to people please. If the response is not good, if the response is not overwhelmingly like, yay, thank you for that. I really needed this. The rejection complex can kick in where you're like, shit, like I didn't do that right. Or I really sucked at this, or I could have done better, or oh no, they hate me now. And you have this very sensitive reaction to it, this regret, this and it can form resentment, it can form anger, fear, it can set you up for a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of obviously I wasn't good enough. And our job is then to, our job is then to kind of ride that out without, without truly throwing everything away, right? It's kind of like the situation with like a small child where they're drawing a picture and they're like, I'm going to draw a fire truck, but they try to draw the fire truck and it doesn't turn out exactly how they want. And then they want to completely throw the picture away. They find no more value in it. They want to throw it out and destroy it. And then you as the adult are like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, this is good. Like, this is a learning process. This is how you learn to draw an amazing fire truck. How do you turn this into something you're proud of, even if it doesn't look exactly the way that you wanted it to? This is fighting that complex. This is you saying, "Okay, this did not go exactly how I thought." Do I throw my swords away and never fight again, or do I go away, come back, and come back stronger? The Five of Swords, I mean, fives are never an easy thing to go through because they are contractions. In the Five of Swords, it's especially so because you're also dealing with triggers, right? You're dealing with your past versus your fears versus your desires versus your hopes and your dreams. And it is a David and Goliath situation of feeling like you're fighting something so much bigger than you and they keep winning and you feel like you don't stand a chance. but. You do, and we can we can either let that build in us resentment and hatred and and anger, or we can say, or we can meet it head- on and learn how to fight smarter, not harder. There are so many different kinds of strength in here. The message is sometimes there is a strength in walking away. Sometimes there is a strength in in the planning of something. If something is so much bigger than you, how do you safely in you know in accordance with your boundaries and your needs and your safety concerns, how do you tackle that? You could partner up. You could bring more swords. You could pick a day where it's not so fucking windy. You know, there there are all these different nuances that go into pulling the Five of Swords. When I pull the Five of Swords in a, in a reading, my instinct is not to say to somebody, you're losing something, or you have gambled away something, or you resent something, or you regret something. I mean, obviously those sentiments are tucked away into this, but it's not my instinct. My instinct in a reading would be to look at the person or at myself, depending on who I'm reading for, and say, what feels so much bigger than you right now? What is what is in your way that makes it easier to turn from something than to find a way to knock it over? What's What's your Goliath? What's in your way? The only thing that you'll regret is not trying. You want to write a book? Write a book. You want to ask that person out but you're afraid they're going to say no. Do it. I I would say that a perfect example. I've lived this when I uh when my husband and I first met, I asked him out and I remember after a couple of weeks I tried to get him to be into me. I tried to do it like the covert way where like I'd flirt and be like oh you've you love Crash Bandicoot and you have a PlayStation 2. Well, I love Crash Bandicoot. You should invite me over sometime and then he didn't. Until I finally, I had to be like, I can either wait until he gets the hint and play these mind games almost, or I can confront him and just say, I want to go get coffee. Would you be interested? And I remember when I sent that message, I was just like, oh my God, like I had a panic attack. He didn't respond for an hour and I had a panic attack, but he said yes. And if I hadn't done that, yeah, maybe we would have eventually... Maybe he would have eventually picked up the hints. Maybe we would have gone out. But it wouldn't have happened on the same time frame. It wouldn't have – it may It may not have happened at all. I may have gotten tired of waiting or he may have never, like, really figured out that I was interested. And now we're married and have a toddler. So, you know, like, sometimes facing the Goliath is the hardest part. Sometimes facing the fact that you could lose something if you don't take action. Um. Sometimes it's, you know what, sometimes it is you know, I fought that battle. I tried really hard. I lost it. Now what? Like you interviewed for a job. You, you tried really hard. You did your absolute best and you didn't get it. Now what? What's your plan? What's your plan now? The five of swords is about mourning the loss of something. It's about acknowledging the regret. It's about saying, okay, yeah, maybe this didn't go exactly well. But it's also a card of, now what? You have a choice when you lose, right? I tell my nanny kids this all the time. They're at that age where if we play a board game, they, like, do not handle losing well and they don't handle winning well. Like, winning is a huge brag and losing is a catastrophe, a Shakespearean tragedy, if you will. And I always have to remind them at the end of those games, I'm like, listen, um... This game would be no fun if you won every single time you played it. There would be no challenge. There would be no, no, your brain wouldn't be working in the same way that it's working. And if you place all of the value about, you know, if if everything that something is worth only depends on how it turns out, then it was never worth doing in the first place. It's the challenge. It's the planning. It's the strategy. It's the having fun playing the game. It's for the love of the thing, not for necessarily the outcome. You take chances, you try your best, you formulate a strategy. It's like playing Monopoly. Like the rules are pretty straightforward, but there there is a lot of strategy that, that goes into it and a lot of choices you have to make. And I think at the end of the day, whether you win or you lose Monopoly, like you, what you can stand by or what you have to stand by are the decisions that you made. So if you're looking at the Five of Swords and you're talking about, you know, the end result, then I think the goal would be to be proud of the decisions you made in the process, regardless of what happens, regardless regardless of whether or not Gabe had said yes to a date. Was I confident and proud in the way that I addressed it? Job interviews, were you confident and proud in the way that you tackled it? You auditioned for a play. Did you do everything you could to make that happen? yes, then there's something to be proud of in there. Like you don't have to feel dejected and sorry and forlorn when you lose something and you don't have to be overly braggy when you win either. This is about balancing the situation. Swords are about balance. This is about controlling your emotions. This is about coming back from a loss. However, you need to come back from a loss and this is about winning grace as gracefully as you would have lost it or losing as gracefully as you would have won it. It's about taking chances. It's about fighting fighting your Goliath and trying your best. And then if at first you don't succeed, you try again. The Five of Swords comes after the Four of Swords. And I think that's important because it came up last week and now this week. It's the Five of Swords. But, you know, the story there is... You sleep on this ace, you want this clarity, you want this um, wisdom, this truth, this weapon of justice in this way, and you wake up and those things over your head are still there. And then in the Five of Swords, you kind of have to figure out which one do I tackle first? Which do I do first? How am I going to do it? Yes, it's scary. Yes, you could lose loss and not doing well and failing at things that's all part of the human experience we can't avoid it the only thing we can control the only thing that we can actively plan for is how will we be how will we handle a loss how will we handle a loss we have to think about that as much as we think about how we'll handle a win And it's also about making the choices that won't face you with regret. I would have regretted never having asked out Gabe. I would have regretted not having done that. I would have regretted not taking certain opportunities. Like the idea of starting a podcast was fucking terrifying to me. I didn't think anybody would want to listen to it. I didn't think I had anything really important to say. And it would have been really easy to not do or to never pick up again after I had Evie because I was scared of being rejected or scared of people not liking me. You're scared of what it would mean if I say the wrong thing. Scared of what would happen if somebody leaves a negative review, remo- like a, a negative review, because I'm very sensitive. Um, but at the end of the day, like I would have regretted not doing it. I would have regretted not using my voice in that way. I would have regretted not sharing in that way. So sometimes you take chances. Sometimes you gamble it. Sometimes you lo- sometimes you lose. Sometimes you literally lose, but the biggest loss is how you handle it. Does that mean you just never come back from it? In a reading, this is a reminder, like sometimes you have to fight the Goliath. Sometimes you have to make a choice to avoid it. Sometimes you've already fought the Goliath and you lost. And it's all about coming back, coming back from that. It's all about planning better, strategizing better, thinking more planning for both scenarios, and having enough grace for yourself to be okay with either outcome. Losing is uncomfortable. Being rejected is uncomfortable. Conflict is uncomfortable, and it always will be. But we can't avoid doing things because of that. We can't avoid living because we're afraid of something, and I think that is inherently the inner meaning of the Five of Swords. As we're tackling our own demons, as we're confronting things that we don't want to confront as the winds are whipping around us and it's really hard to even see straight because our hair is on our face. Like We have choices to make and sometimes those choices don't turn out the way that we wanted. Sometimes a marriage ends in divorce. Sometimes that friend we thought would be there forever aren't. Sometimes we get in a fight with somebody and we find out that we were wrong. So how do you handle that? You say... I was wrong. You say, I'm sorry. You say, this didn't work out, but I am willing to keep going. This card confronts those things, that part of our brains, the part of our brains that wants to run away, that fight or flight response. I would say that if you're going to look at a, at a card and you're going to attribute the concept of fight or flight to it, Five of Swords is kind of the perfect card to do that with. You're going to fight for this. Are you going to flee from this? Which one is appropriate? Because both are both are appropriate at different times. And both are inappropriate at times. This is all about us having to strategize and make decisions that are best for ourselves and then find a way to fight that Goliath and make it work. So yeah, not just about resentment, conflict, saying that you're going to fight with somebody and have a fallout, more than saying that someone's going to steal all your swords. <laughs> So much more than that. But it can be uncomfortable and it can feel very chaotic and it can be very anxiety inducing. So have enough respect and not even respect, but have enough grace with yourself to understand that when you do pull this card, that it's not always gonna feel super hunky dory. But sometimes it could mean that you finally fought your Goliath. Sometimes it could be, hey, you know what? You saw this, you tackled it, and you fucking won. And it was hard and it was scary, but you fucking did it. Good job. This is not always some sort of foreboding, miserable card. So just keep that in mind. But as we all know, this is the part of the podcast where uh, I go outside, I find a small pebble and I start shooting it at very tall things. That is a David and Goliath reference. (laughs) I'm very tired. I need to get, I need to like, I used to have like a list of like these things. I'm going to make another list. It's going to be great. Um, But our collective reading is the reverse nine of wands nines are about honoring something in the nine of wands we are we are kind of like using one wand as like a walking stick or kind of a crutch we're a little bit bandaged and we're standing in front of eight other wands um that have fallen right um so we're kind of in this state of okay so this is what all of those arrows we shot in the eight this is where they all landed i'm a little wounded here this didn't get exactly where i wanted to but now all my ducks are in a row i can see how it all played out so now what The Nine of Wands this coming week is kind of a reminder to us of like, see where things are, see how far you've come, and then think about where you can make your changes. This is an opportunity to be like, you know what? Okay, now I'm honest. I'm taking stock. This is how everything played out. What do I want to do now knowing where everything is? What do I want to do now? What is there left to do? Where do I want to go? Here's where I'm feeling a little wounded. Here's where I'm feeling like I didn't quite end up where I wanted to be, but this is how it played out. So how do I move forward? It's a chance for you to consider what you're going to do next. It's a chance for you to honor where you've been, to acknowledge where, where you were before the arrow was landed. And it's also an opportunity to make your plans moving forward of, okay, how do I get from this nine to the 10 of wands where I can pick all of these up and I can carry them away? So, yeah, take that time this coming week to kind of examine how everything has played out for you, where everything landed, what you've done, what you've not done. And also consider to yourself, how, what would you change if you could? What would you do better? Where would you go? Where did you want them to land? And then what's stopping you from getting there? And then take all those things into account. This would be the part where I... Uh, End the podcast, but actually I'm not going to. I nobody sent me another ghost story, which is fine. You have lives. You don't have to write me things for my podcast. I'm not going to pretend that people did. Um, I'm just going to tell you a ghost story. <laughs> so this is super cool. This is a thing that happened to me. My grandparents, um, they had a home and my aunt and uncle and my grandparents they all kind of built their houses on this property in the Appalachian Mountains. They lived near the top of one of the mountains out there and um they built their houses, brand new houses built it on this land. As we all know, there's a lot of legend about the Appalachians and kind of the folklore and stuff there, um as well as the fact that like these lands were other people, they were Native American land at some point like Anyway, it was just like this land on the side of the mountain that people built these these homes on. And when I graduated college, or when I graduated high school, not college, when I went to college, I moved into my Nana and Papa's house. Um, their basement was a fully finished basement. It was almost like a suite of sorts. It had a bedroom, a guest room. It had um, like the living room areas where one of the beds were. It had a kitchenette. And a bathroom in it it was it was really comfy, really sweet. and i and I really loved being there. But it also scared the living hell out of me for several reasons. One, it got really dark because it was in the fucking. It was at the top of a fucking mountain. It was d- surrounded by wood. And also, my nana loved dolls. My nana was obsessed with, like Victorian dolls, and there were dolls everywhere. So I always got creepy vibes in the basement. but, Never more so than living there alone. Things were very quiet. It was very, very dark, like I said. And um, I always kind of got creepy vibes, maybe from the dolls. But also, I think maybe I was just picking up on something extra there. I started to feel like things were watching me. I would get in the shower, and I would hear things move. And I would peek out the curtain, and I wouldn't see anything. But I felt, it felt strange. And the thing is, is that like my, for a large portion of my life, I've been able to see spirits or interact with them in some capacity. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a medium, but I am someone that can see spirits. But I was not seeing anything. I was just very much feeling eyes, feeling something, watching, feeling something there in a, in a very tangible way that's very hard to explain, I think, unless you've had this experience before. But there was one night. And this would have been probably sometime in like September, maybe like very late August. And I was climbing into bed and I had been watching a movie on a VHS because that was the TV down there, just had a VHS player. And I turned off the TV, turned out my light and was getting ready to go to sleep. I had just done it. I was not asleep. I had just laid down. And I hear stomping on the stairs. And I'm like, that's weird. My Nana and Papa would have gone to bed a couple hours ago and they definitely wouldn't just be walking down the into the basement when they with the lights off down here when they think I'm asleep. But I heard the steps down the stairs and then I heard them walk around the bed and then I felt them brush against the bed. I could not open my eyes. It was pitch black in there anyway, but I could not move. I could not open my eyes. Part of me wonders if... I don't know if I was like paralyzed, like paralyzed or if my body just instinctually knew don't interact with this thing. But I could not open my eyes. I could not move. And I remember thinking to myself, you are awake for this. This is not a dream. This is really happening. And um, at first I was like, maybe it's a joke. I don't know. Like I was very confused, but I knew that I was awake. And I, I was like, maybe it's one of my cousin's. Because my cousins lived at my aunt and uncle's house, just a little bit away from my aunt and papa's. It was all the same plot of land. But this thing was breathing, standing right next to me in the pitch black. My eyes are shut tight. And I can hear it breathing. And I can feel it there. I can feel it. I had felt it brush the bed when it stood, and it was standing right in front of my face on my side of the bed just breathing. And I don't know how long this went on for, like three to five minutes, but I was petrified and I just kept thinking to myself, don't open your eyes, don't move. I couldn't anyway. But more than anything, I remember thinking this is real. And then after three to five minutes, the breathing slowed and the thing walked away. And I heard it walk back around the bed back up the stairs. And I listened to hear the door. I kept hoping I'd hear the door because if I heard the door, then maybe it would it would mean that maybe it was my Nana. Maybe it was my Papa. Maybe it was one of my cousins just trying to freak me out. But they were young. They were kids. They should have been in bed, but it wasn't. It was not. The door never opened. Eventually, that thing, whatever it was, that presence, it lifted. Things got lighter I opened my eyes. I could move again. I turned my lamp back on and I called my boyfriend at the time and said, "You have to stay on the phone with me in the basement at night forever now," because I was petrified. Now I ended up moving out of my grandparents' house. Um, about a month later, they were—they just needed a little bit more space. They were a little bit older, and I—I, I, you know, things happened. So I actually went and I stayed in the basement that was my aunt and uncle Kevin's, just like on the same plot of land. So I went to their house and I lived in their basement. And their basement had like a, had a bedroom and it had a bathroom downstairs. And this was Halloween. And I had worked a little bit late because I worked at a Panera at this time. And I got home and it was like 11 and I jumped in the shower because I was covered in a sandwich goo. And um, I showered and I'm crawling into bed and everybody upstairs is asleep. The kids have school the next day. My aunt and uncle go to bed fairly. They went to bed fairly early. I get in the shower. I get in bed. I, up to this point, I did not feel things watching me in this basement. I did not feel things watching. I felt a lot lighter. I was kind of happy to be out of my Nana and Papa's basement where I constantly felt something watching me. And I was always constantly terrified at night. And I made my boyfriend at the time stay on the phone with me because of that thing. But this night I am in bed and I turn off the lights and I lay down and I hear footsteps. And I'm thinking to myself, okay. I am awake. I literally just turned the light off, but I heard the thing walking and the same thing happened to me. I couldn't move. Couldn't move my arm. Couldn't stretch out. This thing walked over to the bed and then it hopped into the bed with me. And it like, you know, like when you get into bed and you kind of shuffle around a little bit and you and you lay into it. It did that and I tried to move my arm to hit it. I was like, it must be my cousin. It must be one of my cousins fucking with me. I couldn't move. And I remember, again, thinking to myself, I am awake. You are awake for this. This is fucking real. And this thing moved so that almost like it was turning to face me or learning or turning to lie away from me. I couldn't tell, but it turned. And then out of nowhere, it jumped up jumped out of the bed like it was hopping and I could move again and I knew I could move again so I sat up and I threw my arm out like I was gonna fucking smack it and I completely missed it my arm hit air I would have hit something were it there if it were a human it would have still been there either in the bed or right next to the bed and I would have fucking hit it but there was nothing I went up the next morning and I told everybody and they all laughed at me Later on, it was like later on in that January or late December, I moved, ended up moving back home to Illinois um, to help with my little sister and my dad and everything. And I uh, I ended up moving home and um, I went back and I visited my aunt and uncle at a later date and they were like, oh yeah, both of those houses haunted as fuck. We heard noises and voices all of the time. We just didn't want to scare you. And I had no, like, I did not know that any of this was happening I did. It did not even occur to me, and I didn't know anything really about like Appalachian folklore or the mysticism there in in the mountains. But it it happened to me twice. I am not a person who specifically believes in de- in demons or demonic energy. I don't really think. I do think that there are energies that are. That are chaos and energies that are more balanced, and um, I do think that whatever I was, at, whatever I had encountered in those basements and on that piece of land in those mountains, was something that was like it was messing with me and it was chaotic. And at my nana and papa's, it felt very threatening, whatever it was. And at my aunt and at my aunt and uncles, it was more like puckish, more like I'm gonna fuck with you to freak you out. So I don't know, but. Just thought I'd share with you a little ghost story. If you want to share a ghost story or you want to send in a nightmare, you can do so. Um, either DM me at Awakened Tarot on Instagram, or you can email me at nashville at gmail.com. I would love to read your ghost stories, paranormal stories, like weird stories, or even um, interpret your nightmare. You let me know. Otherwise, I will talk to y'all. Um, well, so next week is Halloween in Sawin. We will be going out of town because it's also very close to Gabe's and my wedding anniversary. So I'm going to try and get the podcast recorded and up and out so that you all can have spooky Halloween episodes um, right around then. Otherwise, we will have it out, of course, that Tuesday night or that Wednesday morning. But um, we'll get our acting gear and get it to you guys before then. So hopefully. But yeah, if you have any spooky stories, um, I would also love to read it as a Halloween special. So send them in to me. You can also send voice recordings. Ian DePriest, I've already told you to do that. Ian, you know who you are. Okay. This is the part of the podcast where I say um, rate and subscribe and review if you like this podcast or um, it helps a lot with the podcast. I always feel very awkward asking for those things. So only do it if you feel like you really want to. Don't feel forced or pressured. And um, on that note, After 40 minutes, we'll be lucky if my husband doesn't murder me this evening. Love you all. Bye-bye.